Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. Hi. Hello, everyone. It's me, Sam, famed and beloved co-host of um, Notable Podcast Radio Lab that you're currently listening to. I'm here with a little announcement, and that is that I am doing a solo show called Club Comic at the Bell House in Brooklyn on February 17th at 7.30 p.m. Uh, Tickets are available now. This show is beloved by me. (laughs) I uh, used to do it before the pandemic, and um, it's like club tracks and videos and stand-up. And yeah, it's a pun, club, comic, get it? Uh, But it's, it's always really fun, and... I was like, should I bring it back? I'm a different person now that the global pandemic and everything. But then I was like, wait, no, I didn't change it all. I'm actually the exact same person. Um, so I'm bringing it back at to the Bell House February 17th. And I couldn't be more excited. So get tickets. I look forward to seeing your gorgeous but tastefully flawed faces there. Okay, enjoy the episode. Bye-bye. Podcast starts now. Wow. Hello, esteemed listeners, and welcome to Stradio Lab. We are so thrilled and honored that you are spending your, let's say, Wednesday at 3 p.m. listening mm. to us. Whether you're driving in your car to your next appointment or you're home um, naked from the bottom, only bottom naked. Yeah. Wearing a shirt, Winnie the Pooh style. Recovering from your former appointment. Recovering from your former appointment. Uh, walking around the house fully erect. Sure. Uh, going into the kitchen, making a grilled cheese. Ouch, you got some hot oil on your um, on your bare bones. <laughs> if that is you, um, and we know you want to turn us off, but we appreciate you sticking with us through the pain, mm. through the tears, through the crying and the screaming. Just focus on our voice. Focus <laughs> on our voice and not on the physical pain you feel from the scalding hot oil you accidentally got on your bone. Left, on your bone. <laughs> on your butt bone. 
that you got while making a grilled cheese and because you were fully erect, the your penis sort of knocked over the pan and then the hot oil went onto your bone. Yeah, so if we're if 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 you if this hasn't happened to you, just so you're clear, what happened to one of your fellow listeners is their penis mm. knocked the pan, the pan that was full of hot oil right. making a grilled cheese yeah. that pan hit the ground causing the oil to splash yeah. up and hit their bone and for that listener i have one message <laughs> and it is that you know it works better if you put mayo on the bread oh my gosh not <laughs> cooking tips um well, if you can hear our voices, uh, yeah, we sound weird today. Yeah, and by weird, we mean better. Better, more calm, um, more professional. And it's because we're back in Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> Letting the spirit run through us. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, whenever we're in a studio space talking about the podcast while we make the podcast, yeah. it does make us sort of act like we're pretending to do a podcast, which mm-hmm. is weird because most people, this is where they go to record a podcast. Um, but for us, it always feels like, oh, today we're playing dress up. Today yeah. we're playing podcaster. It's strange. Well, especially because we're in Hell's Kitchen, which is where all gay men work in marketing. Yeah. You know, when we're doing it over Zoom in our apartments, um, wearing sort of a ripped band tee, <laughs> you know, it's punk rock. It's DIY. <laughs> um, you know, we're sort of, it's like, it's Courtney Love giving a middle finger to the camera. Yeah, it's so Courtney Love. Yeah, and whereas now, we're sort of, it's more, um, Kim Gordon, but like, appearing, having a meeting about a brand partnership. Not Kim Gordon during Rockstar era. (laughs) No, it's Kim Gordon appearing on NPR. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, yes, she's talking about her punk rock days, and you know, and listen, we love Kim Gordon. You know, (laughs) you know, she's slaying, you know, she has slayed in the past, but in the moment when she is wearing fully like a vintage blazer in a studio on NPR, that's not the most she's slayed. (laughs) <laughs> no, but also I'm not here to say when she slayed the most. I'm here to just say that she has slayed right. and not rank the moments top yeah. 10. I'm not BuzzFeed. I sort of want to know, like, how much does someone have to slay in order to slay for life? <laughs> how much does someone have to slay in order to slay for life? I'm thinking about this because this is this is going to date when we're recording this. But, you know, today Gwen Stefani had a, a sort of a embarrassing moment in the press. Have you seen this? Uh-huh. And Gwen Stefani is someone who, regardless of anything she did during that era, you know, when she was in No Doubt, she was slaying. That's something we have to acknowledge. <laughs> I would acknowledge that she was slaying within No Doubt. And so how much, how many years does she have to go not slaying to, in order to no longer be someone who slays? Well, there's a lot of people like this. Like, this is literally the arc of fame. Where it's like, how, how good do they have to be for you to forgive them yeah. being bad, bad, bad? And I almost think, I mean, to bring it sort of back to Kim Gordon, it's almost like, and Patti Smith is like this too, like, almost the best thing you can do is as soon as you realize you're no longer slaying, just keep reminding people of the time you did slay. (laughs) Because maybe Gwen Stefani's issue was that she kept trying to slay in different ways. And at some point you're going to run out of ways. You know what? Yeah. You're saying like she, her thirst for slay was like too insatiable that she ended up tearing herself apart. Right. And at this point when I think Gwen Stefani, I don't picture her wearing the, you know, bikini top from the Hey Baby video. Uh Uh-huh. What do you picture? I honestly picture her like with Blake Shelton. I was going to say the same thing. I picture her on The Voice or whatever show she's on. Uh, I picture her, honestly, I picture her literally getting interviewed by Jimmy Fallon. Oh. 
Well, remember when she slayed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like, how do you, like, I actually think it's funny, when we started this podcast, we recorded yeah. in person, and we were almost doing, I remember doing, like, fake, like, podcast mm-hmm. references, yes. like, I'd be like, what's up, what the fuckers, yeah. and pretend, like, play pretend, that now that I'm here, I'm sort of, like, I'm having an identity crisis. Yeah, well, it's uh, suddenly the kunst is me. <laughs> yeah. It's like I've returned to uh, where I was meant to be the whole time, but it feels different. Well, yeah, it's sort of like when someone, um, I'm trying to think, who is someone known for being a jester, for being someone who uh, makes fun of the culture, but then suddenly they find themselves being awarded by Barack Obama? Sure, sure, sure. That's what we are. You know what it reminds me of, actually? What? When, like, like when Eminem won an Oscar. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. And it's like... It's a losing battle to try to then win an Oscar wearing like a basketball jersey or to win an, or like sort of do a speech as though you are both outside of it and inside. You have to either commit to ignoring the Oscars and releasing a statement that says, I'm Eminem, God damn it. And I only want to write songs about committing violence against women and I hate the Oscars. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to go there, you sort it's sort of embarrassing if you don't go all the way. So now that we're in a studio, I'm like... The only way, the only way out of this is to be Terry Gross. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, okay, we can do that. So, George. Yeah. When did you know that you were going to be a podcaster? From a young age, I learned to speak. Mm. And I would do this thing where I would listen to my own voice. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I became aware of object permanence, I mm-hmm. realized... Other people can't hear my voice. Only I can. So you've talked in other interviews about your mother trying to silence you. Mm-hmm. Tell me what that was like. Yes, she would, uh, when I would cry, she would say, stop crying. <laughs> I mean. And that, that stays with you. That stay, that's something you cannot forget. You know, it's a, it's, it's a way in which mothers of a different generation mm. didn't realize that when you're when a baby cries it's because it wants to be a podcaster when a baby cries it's a cry for help for a, a podcast setup mm-hmm. it's a cry for help for a podcast setup and it's also an empowering cry that says here i am <laughs> it says what's up what the fuckers yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what she's she's come such a long way mm, she... and now when i go home and i start crying like a baby as mm-hmm. soon as i as soon as I enter my parents' house, I start crying like a baby. Goo goo gaga. I sort of throw bread against the wall. I open the fridge and and just start throwing things away. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 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 fully naked, running across the house, around the room, up and down the stairs. And now she knows, and she says, "Good for you." Yeah, that must feel really good. It feels really good, and it's gotten a lot of work to get there. <laughs> You know, and and yes, I've gotten the authorities involved, you know, for a while when she kept saying, why are you doing this? This is so inappropriate. We have guests over. I would call the police and I would report her for creating an unsafe home for her children. Mm. At the time, I was 28 years old. Yeah. But, you know, everyone has to learn their lesson. Yeah. So you have a book coming out, correct? Yes. And it's about my relationship with my mother. (laughs) And um, she does not like it. (laughs) She's like, I can accept you as a podcaster, but as an author... I don't think so, honey. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, yes, the book um, is a children's book with pictures, mm-hmm. and it's marketed towards children. And, yes, the pictures are, in fact, erotic Oh, my news gosh, George. Of myself. No. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but to me, I'm like, okay, no one has ever done this before. People have written memoirs before. People have written books of humorous essays that are called, like, that's my seat. Mm-hmm. But no one has ever done a children's book of erotic queer photographs of themselves. <laughs> no, that's true. I um, Let me finish. Yeah. Dedicated to their mother. Sure. Well, that's really powerful. I'm crying. And that's all I have to say about that. So I think I'm ready to move on to the next portion of this evening. Well, um, I think maybe we should invite our guest in. And talk about someone who slays. Talk about someone who's uh, slaying and actually doesn't need to remind us that they're slaying because they're slaying. I feel like this guest, I'm almost like, well, ever since I've met them, they have been slaying. And the fact that there could be some point in the future where they stop slaying and then we have to sort of grapple with that as a community Mm. fills me with so much fear that I can't even think about it. I mean, that is the downside to slaying is that sometimes it creates a when will the other shoe drop feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Like if if someone's not slaying, you're not worried about them stopping slaying. I know. Well, this is the sort of like catch. Well, I don't know if catch 22 is the right term, but just run with it. Okay. Well, so this is the catch 22 is that um, this is sort of a Sophie's choice. This is a Sophie's choice. Um, (laughs) This is, you know, it's sort of like Maybe the solution is to never slay to begin with. Well, isn't there a saying about that? It's better to have slayed uh, and flopped than to have never slayed at all. Uh, Yeah, I guess that's true. (laughs) I guess that's true. I sort of think it's a it's a it's a very uh, capitalist impulse to not slay as a as a form of self uh, protection Mm -hmm. where you're like, well, what if I flop? Mm hmm. Whereas it's more communist to try to slay, <laughs> knowing you might flop, <laughs> and trust that the social safety net will catch you when you fall. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. That makes sense to me. So anyway, please welcome Sabrina Wu. <laughs> Hi, everybody. So Sabrina, before we started recording, you we said, um, be careful, we're going to do a 10-minute intro. And you said, no, that's totally okay. The first part of a podcast is always the most excruciating. How did you feel about that? Yeah. You know, I actually felt better than usual. Wow. wow. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, and I really mean it. <laughs> no, and, I believe you. And if anything, I was just like, I mean, what was so painful was like I just wanted to jump in right. so much. Oh. I, like, congratulations on your book. Thank I hope you. <laughs> I hope I hope you get a a, cow, a cattle caught a, a Newberry award. Yeah, a oh. Newberry. Yes, a Newberry. Yes, yes, yes. No, I the, need it. Yeah. The cow, but the, do you know what I'm talking about? The I do know cow? what you're talking that about. That one is for the art specifically, oh, which I okay. you know, well, is I did so all the specific. illustrations myself or and the photography and the illustrations. Oh, you illustrated <laughs> Yeah, well, so the it's way mixed media. Uh, well, it's mixed oh, media. Wow. So it's these really beautiful black and white photographs charcoal, charcoal <laughs> photographs yes charcoal photographs and then on top of them i did a sort of perez hilton white uh white little dots cum, cum dots yeah um, oh, I love it. It's yeah. sort of, it's well, like, that's what makes it a kid's book. It's sort of fun. Right. And I love it when it's like, wait, it's actually like a picture within a, it's like, yeah. you're looking like at a desk that they've, the photo is sort of, and then there's come on. Yes, there. exactly. And each book was made by hand from scratch, which is why it's, it was sort of expensive to produce. And I'm in a lot of debt because of it. Mm. It's not, these why are, why did not, you, mm. why did you make so many? Yeah. Why'd you make 1 million all on your own? Well, because I want it to be a bestseller. What sure. am I going to do? Sell one book? Yeah. Yeah. That well, makes so much. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, you know, the holidays are coming up <laughs> just around the corner. Just around the corner. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you're looking for a way to celebrate 
What's in February or March? Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Day. What a perfect gift to, gift to your child. Yeah, for Valentine. If you want to give your child the perfect Valentine's Day gift, give your child the erotic book that I wrote containing my nudes. Um, you actually bring up an important point, which Wait. is: Did mm-hmm. you ever get like presents? Like, did your parents give you something on Valentine's Day? No. That sounds sick. And I am <laughs> publishing an inappropriate children's book. <laughs> No, in fact, my, I don't know if my parents are big present givers. The only my dad tried my freshman year of high school, and he was like, he gave me a a ping pong paddle, Ooh. which felt. Oh. But you didn't have a ping pong table. No, we did, but oh. it still oh. felt racially charged, given that we weren't really. Oh, it's okay, I see. it's okay, I see. and no, but I think he wanted some bonding time, and then and then a neon green like sweatband, like like for. Oh, like, he wanted yeah. you to go pro. Oh, he definitely wanted no. to work out. No. <laughs> he definitely did not, but but I think he wanted me to look good. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah, well, he was sort of like, I mean, it's honestly pretty considerate to be like, well, if they're gonna play ping pong, they might as well slay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember getting things, and no matter what it was, I would feel shame. I would be like, oh my god, my parents are in love with me. Wait, like, they literally got you Valentine's Day? Games? No, like like candy. Even. Oh, sure. Or like like I remember one time they gave me like a bag for like my track shoes. You oh, know? Yeah. It wasn't like fancy. It was just like here's a thing because it's a it's a special day. Well, here's what I'll say about Valentine's Day. Um, as someone who that's right grew up in two different countries, something that always shocked me about. Valentine's Day in America is how the kids were made to write each other Valentines. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What a strange tradition, in my opinion. <laughs> like, you just write little... How did it work? You just wrote little cards that didn't even have anything. It was just, like, from Sam to George. Yeah. And then gave it to your classmate? Yeah. But it was mostly, like, we're friends. Yeah, it was, like, heart-themed. Yeah, it was, but like... chased. And there was, like... It was mostly, like, a heart-themed Halloween. Okay. Like, it's just, like, mm-hmm. kind of candy exchanging. Yeah. And also it's sort of a um, popularity contest because at, at a certain age, you don't have to give it to everybody. Oh. And so then you're like, oh, I got 100 Valentines. And then it's like, oh, I only got 10. And it's like, well, better luck next year. <laughs> Learn to make a splash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fifth grade's kind of hard. Grow up. Oh, my God. Did it still happen in fifth, in fifth grade? I actually feel like it did. Oh, interesting. Like, I think it, like, went till middle school. Wow. Yeah. I think it was like institutionally supported. It was, yeah, no, yeah. that's school the thing. It was like, I don't think fifth graders were like, if you were really into it, that's really. No, weird. I wasn't really into I wasn't oh, yeah. obsessed with it. <laughs> I just knew I'd existed. Were wow. you, how was, what was your feeling towards it? I was always, well, I think, I think my school had a policy where you could not bring like, you couldn't only give to some people. It was for everybody. And, and I think I even, I, I have like ADHD. I never remembered to bring anything for anyone. It was like a big, like, I take. Well, that's never kind of, really give. That's kind yeah. of a power move, though. Thank you. <laughs> was, I mean, it was fact, to get back. Yeah, and well, all the other social suffering. I, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just sort of crazy to think like that you were forced by the powers that be to give a Valentine to like someone who may have bullied you or someone who you disagreed with politically. <laughs> well, I think it was um, what's that toxic positivity where they yeah. were almost hoping that it would like make everyone get along and be like, if you can just just give them a card yeah. that says like thinking of you. But on the other hand, it is sort of like. You know, it's it's poly inclusive. It is, you know, everyone is in love with everyone in fifth grade. You're not. And Valentine's Day is such a individualistic, like either you're in a couple or you're not mm-hmm. sort of holiday as soon as you turn 18. But it's nice that for a while there, we all just lived in a sort of, uh, you know, 
a <laughs> Swedish commune. Yes, it was very beautiful. Wow. Yeah, I loved my fifth grade polycule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget any of them. Yeah. Wow. Well, anyway, Sabrina, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. This was this was the highlight of my day. Or this oh my was, god! Yeah, the focal point of it. So that's incredible. That's incredible. So George, yeah. um, you're <laughs> right now. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. We're cutting that. Um, uh, we can pivot to me. Yeah. Would that be so crazy? No, no. no. And it's not because I didn't give enough, right? No, 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 no. No, no. Oh, okay. no it's because Sam asked the forbidden question. <laughs> In fact, you know what we'll do is we'll beep it and then we'll just like reference it as the forbidden question. Yeah. Well, I guess I first want to apologize for asking the forbidden question. Yeah. Well, there's only one topic that is off limits on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough because, you know, we're sort of, like you said, punk rock, yeah. um, Lower East Side, 1970s, CBGBs. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I thought, okay, so I can say anything. Yeah. And, you know, George is doing, you know. B- boners, burning bones, exactly. and and and, and children's children stuff. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let's see what else. Let's yeah. see where else we can push the envelope mm-hmm. here. To me, everyone can have one forbidden question. <laughs> like it's, I'm trying to think of like you know like celebrities that don't want to talk about a specific thing. It's like you, if you're Tom Cruise, your one thing can be that you don't want to talk about Scientology. But that's it. You can only have one forbidden question. So we should ask him about his sexuality. We should ask. Exactly. That is, <laughs> yeah. And if he doesn't want us to ask about his sexuality, then he has to talk about being a Scientologist. You can't have it both ways. Wow. Do you have a forbidden question well, that we're not allowed to ask by you? By definition, I don't know if they would be able to <laughs> No, I'm, I'm an open book. You can ask me anything you want. That's a trap. <laughs> no, I'm serious. No, I'm serious. Like, ask me anything. This what is your What do you chance. think is the worst question one of us could ask I you I can't right believe now. you asked me that. <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> oh, you know what? Yeah. To be honest, yeah. like, if you ask me what my thoughts are on representation, I, I actually, like, glitch out and, like, like spiral. Yeah. Like, mm. what, and, I, and I hate to now harp on this. What sort of specific, like... Uh, part of the representation conversation would you be most unwilling to talk about? Yeah, craft the worst possible question. And we won't and we, we won't, won't ask it back. We won't ask it back. It's sort of like like you're in a podcast two white gays are they're just like us but uglier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> two white gays that are just like us but uglier and and sort of in inside and out and dumber. Yeah. You know like Okay, you know what? It's sort of like if I am an actor yeah. is making like representation for my own like groups that I'm a part of, yeah. like really like good for the world and like morally significant, like as a per- like does it make like me like an amazing person right. if I'm like but it, it just depends. Like, okay, do you know what I'm saying? Just sometimes it's just like a little, okay, I feel like I'm being crazy You are right not now. being crazy. You're not Sam being crazy. It's vibrating. To me, to me, to me Sam the, is buzzing. the question is like, and maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe this is not what you're touching on, but it's like there's a way to frame those questions where the only possible way to answer feels self-important and moralistic. So it's almost like the person setting you up for a trap where they're like, do you feel like the work you do is important? And you can't be like, well, no. But you also can't be like, actually really important, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Right. Is that what you're saying? A little bit. A little <laughs> bit of that. And you see, this is what I'm saying. When you ask yeah. me this, I become completely incoherent. Okay. My brain Wait, like But I actually down. love that. I lo- and actually, that is a better reason to have a forbidden question than something you actually don't want to talk about. Because I agree with you is that the the topics people are most interesting, interested in often are the ones that have the most nuance and therefore the ones you don't want to talk about in like a live podcast format. Absolutely. It's very save it for the book. Save it for the book. Exactly. I Have you ever uh, done something sort of interview-based and then uh, asked them not to release it? No. I have. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I did Greta Teitelman's previous podcast. Um, it was called The Worst, I believe, where you talked about, like, the worst moment of your life or, like, a bad moment of your life or something. And I talked about, like, the nitty-gritty details of a breakup. And I got home and I was like, what was that? Like, in what (laughs) world did I think I would then feel comfortable with that being, like, in the Apple Podcast app for life? (laughs) And I texted her and I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, absolutely don't release that. Wow. Was she okay with it? Yeah, I mean, listen, maybe... Behind my back, she was DMing, uh, you know, texting every other member of the Brooklyn comedy scene and was like, this dumb fag George (laughs) doesn't want me to release his episode. But no, she was incredibly nice about it. And I think it's like, you know, and thank God she was. And thank God. Because now I sold it as a book. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Um, Do you guys want to know my forbidden question? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's um, where were you on January 6th, 2021? Wow. Um, And with that, should we do our first segment? Yes, we should. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We are both dealing with such different issues in our day-to-day lives. You have a full-time job in Los Angeles. You've had to uproot your home. You've had to, you have to figure out work-life balance. Meanwhile, I am a freelancer in New York City. How do I fit it all in one day? How do I create my own schedule? What am I, some boss lady in a film? You know, it's so hard. You have to be boss and employee. But you know what? We can't keep these things bottled up. You know, we need to let them out. That's right. People all carry around different stressors, both big and small. And when you bottle them up, it can start to affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I'll tell you something. Therapy in the past for me has been just a place where once a week I can tell someone what I'm thinking of in a safe and enclosed space where no one can enter and ask me to send an email because it is my time and it is my time for therapy. And everyone deserves that in all across this great nation. Yeah. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and hey, suited for your schedule. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Stradio today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Stradio. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. 
you'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Sabrina, our first segment is called Straight Shooters, and in it we ask you a series of rapid-fire questions to gauge your familiarity with and complicity in straight culture. It's mostly this thing or this other thing, and the only rule is you can't ask any follow-up questions. Great. <laughs> Great. Okay, Sabrina. <laughs> Gentleman's quarterly or lady marmalade? Lady marmalade. <laughs> Drag him. Okay. Hulk Hogan or Cat Cohen? Oh my god, Cat <laughs> Cohen. <laughs> that is an incredible question. Um, okay. Madam X or Mr. Magoo? Mr. Magoo. Okay, your chosen family or your chosen financial plan at Morgan Stanley? Anything but chosen family. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sabrina, a gendered Happy Meal toy or a rendered image of what New York would look like with more inclusive urban design? <laughs> chosen Happy Meal so I can say it. <laughs> okay, lost AirPods or the last airbender? Uh, last airbender. <laughs> okay. Friday the 13th, Sunday Bloody Sunday, or Wednesday, now streaming on Netflix? Mm, Wednesday streaming on Netflix. (laughs) Okay, Puss in Boots or Venus in Furs? (laughs) Huh, Venus in Furs. Why not? It's kind of crazy that there's a children's uh, character named Puss in Boots. I know, I know. There's a sort of way in which, um, this is a sort of horseshoe theory of gay culture and children's culture where it's sort of like Puss in Boots could either be like a really inappropriate drag queen Mm -hmm. or it could be a cat wearing boots. Yeah. (laughs) And thank God it's the latter. And thank God it's the latter. Otherwise I would have to vote Republican. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, Well, I just want to say I think you did incredible. I think I'm going to say 900 doves. Mm -hmm. Um, We rate each on a scale of zero to 1,000 doves. And I agree, it was a 900 doves performance. Yeah, there was a cool confidence there. 900 doves? Yeah. When, where did I lose the other 100 doves? Yeah, 
I mean, do you want to hear the critique or? Yes. <laughs> yes. Sam, you can go first. <laughs> okay. First of all, you had sort of a knowing confidence, and we really loved that about your performance. Mm. But there was um, sort of um, a dismissiveness um, to the questions that we just worked so, so hard on. And yeah, so I felt like that was sort of where we docked some doves. Well, that wasn't the tone I was trying to strike. I was really trying. I mean, I really respect you two. You know, I, I, I even listened to a couple of episodes. You know, Sabrina, it's like we gave you 900 doves, which is a very good score. On you know, there's no denying it. It's there's... not a perfect score. It's not. Sorry, what? sorry. But, it, you know, to focus on the negative like this. Mm-hmm. And and so and suddenly make us justify our score that we selected completely arbitrarily on our podcast. This is why you're never gonna slay so <laughs> How do you think I've gotten this far? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. You know, I do think there's something about being complacent. Mm-hmm. And I think um a lot of times sometimes I'll be like, Oh, it's good. You know how people are like practice gratitude, like be happy yeah. for what you have? Like what if that's wrong? Like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I love my, like, little Bushwick apartment, and I love my, like, simple life. And no, it's like, you have wait, to move to Malibu. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sam, you have to leave that apartment ASAP. I need to, like, go into, like, major debt so that I have to work really, really hard to get out of it. 100%. And I do want to say one thing about your performance, Sabrina, is that the fact that you, I'm now realizing the fact that you challenge the 900 doves sort of makes it a thousand doves. That's true. Because I think the fact that you knew not to challenge us when we told you not to ask questions, but then as soon as that part of it was over, you immediately were like, well, I want I want to see the paperwork. I want to see the receipts. Why didn't I get a thousand? And then we honestly didn't have a, a good enough answer for you. So the fact that you exposed us for the frauds we are means that you are winning a Pulitzer Prize in journalism <laughs> and, and the prize is a thousand doves. Wow, this is like... This is actually a really important lesson all the children who are listening no, to this podcast. No, it's true. Yeah. In high school, I used to, you know, just, like, be really negative on myself. Yeah. Every time I, you know, got, like, a 9 out of 10 on a t- You know what I mean? I'd be uh-huh. like, oh, it's yeah. me. But then there were always a bunch of kids that would go back to the teacher and yep. be scary, just like the way I was to you. Really scary. Yes. And then the next thing you know, they have a 4.3 yep. GPA. Messed up. It's really, like, honestly, one of the most important lessons in life is to know when to challenge authority and when to sneakily not challenge authority so you can build up more challenging power later on. If you had sort of responded to each one of our straight shooters with like, fuck off, then (laughs) at the end, at the end, you would have no more leeway. Like we would have no more patience for your challenging and you would have no leeway to challenge your score, which would at that point be like sort of a hundred. And it's true. Every time you asked me a question, my brain was like, not now. Yeah, exactly. Because you were like, what if later I will need to challenge Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, if you had responded to every single one yelling at us, fuck off, Mm -hmm. I would have to stand, unfortunately. God, that's true. I mean, it's really tough because <laughs> we are, on the one hand, authority figures. On the other hand, we ourselves are kind of Kim Gordon. <laughs> so it is difficult when we respect the challenging of authority. Yeah. So it's always like by challenging authority, you're in fact pandering to us. I do think we create a toxic environment by like we reward people being bad. Yeah. And we actually need to reward people who are being good. Yeah. Have you ever been I'm in good. a. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so good. <laughs> Do you feel like you would do well as an authority figure? No, I I actually like actively like avoid positions of authority. Like, and you've been asked. Oh, all the time. No, <laughs> well, not later in life because I've. But but I think like when I was like in high school and college, I was 
especially high school, I was always like, no, let me be captain of the team. But I was dropping, yeah, like, I was dropping balls left and, like, not like basketball, like, yeah, like, you know, like, metaphorical. (laughs) Metaphorically, of course. Oh, the team dinner's, like, you know, if there, if I didn't have, like, if there wasn't so much, like, you know, you need to, sorry that I sound like such an ass. You You do not sound like an asshole. Okay, great, great, great. But there's, like, a lot of pressure, like, everyone should be a leader, everyone should be a leader. And you have it in your head, and you're like, Okay, like I don't think I should be a leader, but I'll do it because that feels like who I'm supposed to evolve to. But later in life, I've been like, yeah, I, I just fail everyone around me every time I do it. I, I can't this do is, it anymore. This is such a rich topic, and I honestly think like leadership could be a, a straight topic on the podcast because yeah. it's almost like what replaced religion when society became secular. It's this obsession with leadership. <laughs> it's like if Jesus is dead, someone else has to step up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, leadership also and business go so hand in hand. Yes, but yeah. But also when you were a teen, did you have sort of like leadership camp or like le- leadership I mean, program? I never went to one, right. but yes, I but remember seeing those. It's like the best thing you could be told at 12 years old is that you're a leader. Not wh- what are you leading? What if you're leading like QAnon? <laughs> <laughs> what if you're literally leading the charge to for the insurrection? I mean, I bet. A lot of them were 12-year-old leaders. Yeah, well, yes. I mean, certainly cerebrally. (laughs) It's just like, it's very, it's crazy. Fetishizing leadership, I mean, it's the same as fetishizing like business success, where it's like, well, okay, A, at what cost? B, to what end? Yeah. Those are the forbidden questions in our society. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Pew, pew, pew. (laughs) Yeah, it's very like, okay, but leading what? Like, we don't want to lead anything. Did you all have the like... They did sort of within the framework of leadership offer something for the, those yes. who were not leaders. And it was, you know, what's even more powerful than being a leader, being the first follower. That was like, wow. Uh, did they say that? Yeah. It was a big thing. It was like, and they even have this like viral video. I, I'm butchering this, but in my head, it exists as there's a bunch of sheep mm-hmm. and like one sheep goes this way. Right. And, but it takes the second sheep for then the rest of the sheep yeah. to, you know what I mean? Like anyone, no, that's, the idea was like anyone can be a leader, but to discern, you know, who the well, group should follow. That's fascinating. Is, at least that was like sort of the sort of you could. I think that kids were a well, little you're a bit tastemaker. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. First sheep is tastemaker. First sheep is tastemaker. Mm. Wow, is it? Okay, now I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that. Am I against the first? <laughs> am I against the tastemaker sheep? Like, do I think that's a sort of toxic? Framework, or do I actually love that? Because if the tastemaker sheep is queer coded, in fact, don't you think? <laughs> like the leader, the leader is straight. The leader is Barack Obama. Yeah. But the tastemaker sheep is, you know, Will I Am writing the Obama song. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think. I mean, as unfortunately, I idolized the tastemaker sheep. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I remember following the tastemaker sheep on Twitter in like 2012 totally. and yes. just being so influenced by tastemaker sheep. <laughs> and Wait, you're so right. So I feel very like, I, I just hope to someone that I am the tastemaker sheep. I know. To be the tastemaker sheep actually is such a powerful position in culture. I'm now realizing. And talk about, like to go back to the conversation about slang, it's like <laughs> at some point the tastemaker sheep loses their taste-making abilities like they either get too old to be in touch with the culture and not not i'm not saying that in an ageist way but just sort of like they get out of touch let's say yeah they snap and become reactionary Mm -hmm. or they misunderstand their own position and think they're a leader rather than a tastemaker sheep and so they start making like merch and it's like well you just run an instagram account that curates tiktoks (laughs) 
And so, okay, yeah, that's mm-hmm. where the tastemaker sheep starts falling off for me. The Instagram accounts that just curate TikTok. Well, yeah. and I think that the framework would then say, you know, well, those are the third, fourth, and fifth followers. Those are mm. not a first follower. So mm. an Instagram, so an Instagram that creates TikToks can never be the tastemaker sheep. That's sort of fourth, fifth, sixth. I don't right because like yeah, they're usually no, you're reposting right, right. a video that's already viral. It's yeah. Like, you're, wow, that is very. That's true. really true. Yeah. That has. So, they're literally like the one millionth wait, sheep. Okay, so so it goes leader, tastemaker, <laughs> curator. The more we're talking, I'm sure this video wasn't of sheep, and I but. Well, Sabrina, you? Sabrina the way the way it has been canon now for it might as well be years. No, like, like the merch is being made. <laughs> the, the idea that you think there was any going back from this is laughable. <laughs> like I'm actually seeing all the sheep, and honestly, I'm realizing that it's kind of a danger because we're going to be having our listeners counting sheep in their head, and they're going to yeah. be falling asleep. Uh, no, 100. percent And it's right, you know, it's like leader, tastemaker, curator, leader, tastemaker, curator. You're counting the sheep. They're like, okay, so there's 17 sheep in the creative world. Um, I'm sorry, but not to, to go back to children's books, this is a genius idea for a children's book. And it actually, like, so perfectly describes our contemporary society. <laughs> like, to have, it's like, the three sheep. One is a leader, one is a tastemaker, one is a curator. Which one do you want to be? And each person has... It's the three personality types. Oh, my God. This is going to end up in, like, a. it's going to be a company personality test. Yeah. It, it already feels very Myers-Briggs. Yeah, it is. it is. Wow. Wow. Do you respond well to things like that where it's, like, there's three types of people, there's four types of people? <gasps> like, is that something that compels you? It's something that, like, all right, honestly, like, if I take an, if I take a little bit of Adderall, I will be doing that for 12 hours totally. straight. Totally. Like, sure, right. sure. But it's not, like... I'm I'm sort of always like oh no I'm glitching out again maybe this is a forbidden question I'm like <laughs> I'm like uh 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 it's just sort of like you know I I can never talk about it feeling like I mean there's some truth and it's also totally like fake in the totally. sense that you're you're telling a machine right and then it's spitting back exactly what you just told it and reducing what you right. just said but even like not a test but sort of a framework that is your own, like the idea of introvert versus extrovert where it's like you get your energy from being around people or you get your energy from being alone or the idea of or even like astrology like you know is it like a comforting thing to put yourself in a box i have the most embarrassing tale okay regarding this which is you know this podcast like i said it's edgy it's punk rock it's 1970s cbgb (laughs) debbie harry um and i we've always mocked sort of people that uh, really lean into the introvert-extrovert thing. 100%. And it's sort of been like, yeah, we get it. But recently, I was around people for a long time, mm-hmm. and I physically got sleepy in a way that was like, <gasps> like, I think I'm, I think I think you're I'm an, introvert. an introvert. I've always sort of thought you were an introvert. <laughs> and this is shocking to me because I was like, no, I don't, even, I don't believe in it. Like, everyone's everything. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, no. I believe in it so hard, and I actually think I know where I fall. Do you want to know what was a game changer for me? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sabrina. I'm just actually feeling brave. I'm feeling like your first follower. The truth is, yeah, that I actually also recently really started to identify as like an introvert, wow. and have like really needed it to like not feel like crazy, and especially like in comedy. There's totally yeah way way too much like there's way too many social dynamics and like. Something about being like, oh, I really like just who I am. My natural baseline is not the same as these other people. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just like, it's nice. You don't like beat yourself up about like, totally, whatever. No, I think that's true. Yeah. 
vulnerable moment. Wow. But agreed, well, it's cringe a little bit. Yeah, it's okay. I recently had a um, a moment of deep connection to something I read, a, a, a categorization sch- schema that oh. I read. Oh. And this is in, a, in the book Pure Color by Sheila Hetty. And it sort of starts out in a, it's almost like you're reading a, a, a biblical fairy tale or something in the beginning. And it identifies three types of people, bears, birds, and fish. The birds see the world from a remove, and they're sort of like the cultural critics of the world. They're, they're like not making, you know, intimate personal connections, but sort of seeing the world at a remove and making grand aesthetic and, and you know, uh, artistic judgments. Then there are the fish, which are sort of like they care about social justice. They are they care about everyone equally and they care about equality and things like that. And then there are the bears who would develop personal connections and they sort of can care deeply about like one to four people like they develop like intimate connections. Hmm. And I was like, this is actually a better framework than a lot of the things out there. <laughs> would you say you're a fish, bear or bird? I have no idea. I'm 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 still mulling it over. Yeah. Well, we can check in at the end of the episode. <laughs> you don't think that like wait, which one's the one that has no close friends? So, <laughs> which one's the loser? Bird is like imagine like, like too many friends. S- Susan Sontag, she's like out of remove. She's like judging society almost like from outside of it. Oh, interesting. But then fish are like wa- <laughs> care about everyone equally. And want social justice and equality. And bears. Bears are like mother. <laughs> bears are like a really caring friend that like has, you know, thrives in like intimate personal relationships rather than big picture. Which one are you? I mean, I think. I think I might be bird. <laughs> This is kind of that's the scariest one. I that's know. really scary. I mean, I I could see you as bird. That, that I mean, by the way, I do develop intimate relationships because you have no friends. <laughs> so it's you're not bird. that I don't have friends, but it's sort of like <laughs> I do feel like my instinct often is to like try to to a fault almost like try to think big picture and try to like I don't know come up with a diagnosis for what I'm seeing. Sure, I I'd see that. This one seems, this reminds me of the representation question a little okay, bit. Yeah. Because there feels like no way to pick mm. one without being self aggrandizing. 100%. Yeah. And because all of them are good. I mean, to, either you are an iconic cultural critic <laughs> or you care about social justice or you are like a really good friend, daughter, son, parent. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. Well, I have a reading on the fish one that isn't like, I, I mean, I, I don't not care about social justice. Sure. But I'm not saying this is somebody who's like the most like, you know, I would never, whatever. Okay. But I think I am a fish in the sense that, like, I actually cannot, like, there are so many people I, I defend that I don't, like, that are not close to me. Yes. Or that are even, 100%. like, problematic, like, 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 controversial figures, like, within a community that everyone else is, like, you know, like, I really think, like, I think a lot about, like, is this fair and, like, a yeah. really, cr- I don't know. But I, I, I almost think that's a bird impulse. Mm. Really? Yeah, because you're like doing critical analysis. Like I feel like fish is simpler. It's like wanting everyone to be equal. It's like not caring more about someone who's closer to you than you do about someone on the street. Like it's a sort of equalizing thing. Whereas what you're doing, I think, is 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 like critical analysis. What do you think? I don't know. 
I think I don't get what the bird is up to. And I, right, right, right. to piggyback off that, why is the fish social justice? Like that seems like an oversimplification. Like I, I'm, I guess I'd have to read the book to sort of see how we got there. Sure. I think that could help inform. Um, yeah, because like, the bird, I get like visually oh, why yeah. they're removed totally. and why they're seeing the world in this way. I think fish think of like a school of fish all moving together. Oh. You know, it's like more collectively minded. Oh, okay, sure. Hmm. I think I'm either fish or bear, but I don't know which. Oh. <laughs> wow. I feel like such a bitch for identifying as a bird. <laughs> yeah, well, your tweets say you are. Um, All right, well, <laughs> should we get into our topic? Yeah. <laughs> so, Sabrina. Yeah. I would love it with all my heart if you would tell us what topic you have brought forth today for this episode. Sure. And I'm actually going to try to move faster through my sentences. You, there is no reason to move faster or slower. I need to get a thousand doves on this whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Okay. Uh, uh, I did I did come. I, I wanted to talk about homoeroticism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sort of the topic that it's sort of the umbrella topic. Yeah. That is essentially what this podcast is about. Yeah. It's that. So what what? led you to homoeroticism what was your way into totally that? thank you um <laughs> as a straight topic well as i was like trying to come up with something straight mm-hmm. to talk about i was gonna like talk about anime and then like and then my which i think is some people think of as pretty queer but i i i've like a, i have a pretty strong like i don't i don't think so like oh interesting the women well the women in anime are um have a very flat personality and the largest tits I've ever seen, even yeah. if they're the strongest fight. Okay. Yeah. Point. Yeah. Right. So, but the sort of pause is like, well, you know, it's very homoerotic. Like a lot of these characters are sort of, but it's like the fact that there is this sort of concept of homoerotic, right? Mm-hmm. Like if it were homosexual, totally. that would be gay. But alas, it's, it's homoerotic. Yes. It's like, it's the, what we're saying is it's so close, but it's actually not. And who even wants that? Exactly. Other than, you know what I mean? There's even closeted. Closeted, that's for gay, like that concept. And that's pretty homosexual. Yeah. yeah. Am well, I making sense? No, no you you're making actually sense. so much sense. It's insane. is like. It's the straightest thing you can be because it is saying this is not. It's literally no homo. <laughs> <laughs> it's saying this is not gay. <laughs> I love the um, making them mutually exclusive. Homoeroticism and homosexuality, I think, is one, very funny, and two, very... uh, I see the truth in that. The anime point about... Like the women's uh, huge tits and flat personalities, there is an element to that where it's like, were these made by gay men? Like, oh sure, yeah, yeah. When you you know when you see misogyny out in the wild, you always have to ask yourself, (laughs) is this gay misogyny or straight misogyny? (laughs) Okay, often the result often the result is pretty similar. (laughs) Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like well, she is slaying, right? But did she want to slay that way? Is she a sexual object or? Is she, or is she, is she an, icon? a, an iconic object? <laughs> um, no, I think you're imagining these women like a little bit too powerful. Like they are sort of like. Yeah. Do you think Lara Croft is Lara Croft is get? She's an iconic object. <laughs> she's is iconic. She, is she an anime? She's no, like, she's not. But I'm just. I'm, she's a video. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's a, a video. video. Game. But I'm just thinking about other sort of like totally, totally. exaggerated fictional animated or animated adjacent women who famously have giant breasts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so okay. homoeroticism. So homoeroticism. 
how would we define homoeroticism? I think maybe that's a good place to start. So it's two guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> two to four guys. Yeah. First uh, of all, it can be women. Okay, this is the first I'm hearing of this. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Sam, women can be homoerotic to one another. I'm listening and I'm learning. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so it's a group of people. Yeah. And just just to say, as a non-binary person, non-binary people cannot, cannot be, be homoerotic. homoerotic. Like, it's never, it's, you're never like, this is, you'd be like, like, no matter where they lean, you're like, that's gay. That's really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah well, right. that's sort of how, in, it's in that way, you are breaking the ultimate binary between homoeroticism and homosexuality. Wow. Wow. Something to think about. Something to think about. To me, it's like it is the hint of everything but anal. (laughs) It is like the hint. It is it is hinting at homo homosexuality, hinting at same sex attraction. Sure, sure. But is it something more than that? I mean, don't we refer to like those weird old Greek art paintings Mm -hmm. that are like two guys like truly going at it does that not count as homoerotic well that's that is a very good question because you do see actually like a truly uh three guys having <laughs> full-on sex yeah and people are like wow this is so homoerotic and i'm like no i think no, it's a little more than that that's actually porn <laughs> but <laughs> nice it is, try sweetie it is straight people who are going homoerotic yeah gay exactly people will be like oh my yeah. god that's that's true. Well, accusations of homoeroticism can, al- can almost be weaponized both ways because mm. straight people can look at something fully gay and be like, wow, I guess that's a little homoerotic. And then they're like <laughs> straight washing it. But then gay people can look at like, you know, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and be like, that's homoerotic. It's like, well, no, you're like trying to make it gay. Mm-hmm. Right. They're just friends. Yeah. I think. Huh. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. Maybe that's their forbidden question. Yeah. I mean, it is sort of like the fact that Ben Affleck's most lasting relationship is with Matt Damon, and then he he keep he sort of is dating an iconic pop star, Jennifer Lopez. Sure. It's kind of gay. That's really gay, actually. Yeah. So, okay. Well, thoughts on, like, queer baiting and how it... That was, like, sort of my thought on the subway, like, how it fits into all of this. Talk about a forbidden question. Oh, God. <laughs> like, don't you think it is impossible? Like, the idea, the concept of queer baiting is one of those things that I don't think I could form a coherent thought about. The way that it, that is a circle always when people start talking about it, yeah. I'm always like, oh, no, 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 because no. My, yeah, because my instinct, to be honest, is to almost be like, that is sort of Tumblr bullshit. And I don't <laughs> and I don't care about it. Like, it literally does not make a difference to me that Timothy Chalamet is playing a gay person. Yeah. Or, or sorry, which I realize is like a different. It, that's different than queer baiting, or, or that Timothy Chalamet is wearing a, you know, bra on a red carpet. Oh, totally. Right. Or Harry Styles. Right. Or is Harry like Styles. The most famous, whatever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But then, of course, someone does toe the line too much, and then I do become upset. Who toes the line too much? Not toes the line, but like, I mean, I think Harry Styles is a good example. It, it's difficult to talk about this without, while also being like, I actually don't like. None of this is morally important. It's just annoying. <laughs> Don't you think? Like, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. I think you can be like, it is annoying and it makes me roll my eyes when Harry Styles is like, I've never identified as anything. Right. When right, he's dating right. Olivia Wilde. But that doesn't mean I think he should be arrested. No, I don't think he should be murdered. I think he should be allowed to put out more music if he wants to. <laughs> yeah. And and by the way, talk about homoeroticism. I actually think 
I think if you're gonna queer bait, go all the way. Like I love that Bruce Springsteen like makes out with uh, that. Ugh, I'm forgetting his name. If you know, you know. He makes out with like a member of a male member of his band, like, and it's like a thing that people know about, and he will like kiss him while they're on stage. Oh, I love that. Or like, who's the guy from Arctic Monkeys? Alex Turner. He has like this other group, and they always are like being intentionally like caressing each other's like pecs on stage, and it's like everyone knows about it, and it's fun, and they're like almost making out, and I'm sort of like, well, that's that's fun, and that's more fun to me than Harry Styles just wearing a dress. Yeah. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are, uh, I also break down, but this one, and not to be so serious, but like the the only thing that gives me pause, because I generally also find it like annoying, mm-hmm. it's just like, I don't know, like, it's also a lot like to, like, what's, what's, the, what's the alternative, like, given a world where like Harry is like even like genderqueer or mm-hmm. like. It's just like when you're that famous, I feel like the stakes are insane. And to ask somebody to be like overtly gay, it's like obviously oh, like see. I'm sort of like, and that's why I break down. Well, that's why I just jump ship from this question because I'm yeah. like I'm not, I don't think queer baiting conceptually is great. I just think that like like queer baiting in a vacuum is not great, but like pushing somebody to like never seem gay unless you're ready to fully commit to being <laughs> openly gay especially as like a world like in a world where there is so much like violence yeah. and hate YouTube is scary I'm sort of like yeah like do it like but I, does that make sense like the danger of queer baiting is like it's very hard to tell if somebody is queer baiting or just like trying being to navigate themse- being yes, kind of yes. yeah, yeah as yeah, like yeah. a 24 year old or whatever yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah. age Harry Styles is yeah yeah well did I ruin this podcast? No, you didn't ruin it. You didn't ruin it. I think the hmm, I, I think, think we're at eight hundred doves though. <laughs> huh. What do you think? I don't know. I think this. <laughs> I also. I mean, we're at a, this is a like an important room topic. Full of I people feel, being I, like, I don't know. But I think it's an. But I think it's almost like it's a class. It's almost like weird that we haven't discussed the concept of queer baiting on the pod because it seems so relevant to our interests. It seems so easy to be like. Uh, to come off as ignorant when talking about this, because I am, I am more like, ugh, like this is so annoying. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, if you're gonna be gay, be gay, and if you're not, then not. Or like, yeah. Even say like, I'm questioning or something. Like, there is a label. You totally. Like, it, you there are labels for a reason, and some people like Harry Styles. It seems like there's, I don't know. It seems like there's some authentic part of him that like wants to explore something, and I celebrate that. Um, and if not, then this boy cuckoo <laughs> um and <laughs> but then there's like who's really bad at it like um like charlie puth like i feel okay. like he's one that it's like he he's just trying to like get gay guys to like him okay that is so funny that you say that cuz i prefer charlie puth's <laughs> brand of queer baiting because what charlie puth will do is just post a picture of his ass and then have a funny caption that's like well there's my ass <laughs> Whereas what Harry Styles will do is launch a line of gender-neutral clothing for Gucci. <laughs> and, to me, and to me, I actually prefer Charlie Puth just posting a photo of his ass. Like, that actually feels, regardless of whether he literally has a, he's, like, sitting back there in his lair and is like, I'm going to get these gay guys to press like on this. Even if it's completely inauthentic, whatever, it feels at least fun and spontaneous in a way that, like, Harry Styles launching a brand of nail polish does not. Sure, sure, sure. That makes sense. And I almost, I feel like the best sort of like 
non-gay, you know, when I think of like Prince or when I think of like, I don't know, other people that have played with gender over the years without necessarily be like coming out and being like, I'm gay. It's that it comes from a place of like fun Mm -hmm. rather than a place of like calculated branding. And profit. And profit. Yeah. So if you want to explore with your presentation or your sexuality, Um, go for it. Yeah. But don't you make a damn dime (laughs) (laughs) until I'm rich. (laughs) Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time, and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sabrina, if you were to launch a brand that 
that that targeted um, the LGBTQ plus community. What sort of product do you think you would launch? Oh my god. Um, oh, I would I would get lesbians like a hat that cannot go backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Is that okay to say? No. I, I, yes, I, I can say that. it. Well, this is always the question is how do you enforce that? Right. Well, it would start like making a noise when it was turned the other way. It would just be <laughs> like. Maybe there's start... like a weight in it where it's oh. like this, like you could spin it around as much as you want, but the bill always moves to the front. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like maybe it's like a magnet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. It, it could be done with ma- magnetic properties. <laughs> Wait, I'm actually going to do this in my lifetime. No, that's perfect. Oh, I think that's genius. And you agree, like, there's something about... That is not our place to say, Sabrina. You're and if right. that's how you feel, then absolutely, <laughs> like, make that ana- make that pronouncement on our podcast. But you're yeah. not going to trick us into agreeing with you that lesbians should not wear backwards hats. It's not even like that. It's just... <laughs> and I'm... Look, I love every lesbian. Not all equally, clearly, but like... Yeah, well, you're not a fish. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm a, I'm unfortunately the, the bird. You're a bird. You're a bird in the sense that you're like, why are all these lesbians wearing backwards hats? <laughs> Well, it's just that I guess, like, if I had to say my preference, like, I prefer lesbians. Oh, you know, well, I think of lesbians on on a spectrum. Right. There are the beautiful lesbians. Backward hats, lesbians. Right. Okay. Did you say beautiful? Yeah. Yeah, I just love a spectrum. Oh well, we love we love a spectrum on Straight Love. Lesbians in their backwards hats who. When I see them in the audience of a stand up show, I'm scared. Like I'm actually scared that they will. Okay, and then on the, on the other side mm-hmm. of the spectrum, a lot of them, honestly, are it, it actually gets buyer on this side, but it, it's like, it, it's the turtleneck, big pants, oh. kind of, and I generally sort of- Lipstick about, lesbians? Not lipstick. Okay. No, no, no. There's, in fact, no lipstick. No Actively lipstick. chapstick. Like, oh. <laughs> like, it's that- um, but it's like it's it's the tumbler hoe, but not even like it can be just more like a, more like a lit like a quiet meek oh, lit kind okay, of lesbian. I see, I see. Okay, yeah. Versus like loud sporty. Got it. Right. You're, uh, it's Rooney Mara and Carol. No, is that the actress? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, that cool is that the actress. Watch Carol. I just don't <laughs> yeah, I, thank you. I, I'm yeah. Like, so you're th- you're saying Tumblr thought, th- your words. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm saying. Like Tumblr thought on this side, and I, I, I kind of don't really love. Like, Sporty I don't re- backwards hat on one side, Tumblr thought on the other. Right, side. and I'm sort of caught in between both worlds. Like, right. mm-hmm. in, like in terms of like I love like or I don't like read a lot, and that but I did play like a lot of sports. Like I, right. you know, but there's just something about like the backwards hat where I'm yeah. just sort of like the to me there's a lot less like let's think about queering the world. It's a lot of like. I love women. I love like I love drinking my beers totally. and like and I guess it's or and it's not even like every lesbian with a backwards hat is 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 like that, but they are perpetuating that culture because that is a symbol. Yeah, of that kind of it's a thing. hate symbol. Yes, yes, <laughs> with equal like with equal weight as yeah. as any other um uh uh. Wow, I don't know any other symbols. Yeah, that I don't are, know. Oh, you can't think of one. Let's see. Like, what other symbols? I mean, wow. Put that. Wow, well, back- try if, to bleep that out. If you if you're a lesbian wearing a backwards hat, you might as well be wearing a. We actually have to cut that out, George. Right. Can you just bleep it? We'll bleep. Everyone we'll bleep can it. use their imagination about you know sort of what yeah. symbol came to my mind. Yeah, yeah. It's well, a lot of bleeping this episode. Special. Yeah, this is really. Um, maybe we should advertise it even as like Stradio Lab censored like never yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. Do, Sabrina, do you feel like when a lesbian 
I'm not even going to ask how you're going to police that these hats only be worn by lesbians. I'm just going to assume there is a framework in mind. But let's say they're only worn by lesbians. Is your goal for the person who wears this hat to then sort of be led to self-reflection? They try to turn it around. It doesn't go around. And then they're like, wait a minute. What am I trying to do by turning my hat around? Exactly. Like when, it, when, it, when you try to turn around, it says things like don't say shoddy or don't make, <laughs> like don't like if you're white. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it, tie your shoes. It's actually specifically maybe for white and Asian lesbians oh, or like, okay. you know what I mean? Like light skin lesbians cannot. You know what I'm trying to avoid? It's what is that called? A, like a hey mama lesbian. Mm. I want to. Re- it's not. It's not eugenics because I'm not like killing them. No. But I am sort of like, I think there should be fewer. I think there should be fewer. Yeah, sure. And it's not that's not who lesbians are like at their core. You can put one of those types of lesbians in a museum. Totally. And then the others will change. <laughs> Just in inside the glass with oh man, no one's yeah. gonna see this, but you don't you don't know. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. I, I, if I were to, to describe what Sabrina's doing, uh, I would say imagine the emoji that's biting his lip. Yeah. 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 That is sort of the vibe. That's the kind of lesbian vibe that you're talking about. Yes. yes. I, I can picture it so well. And in fact, the biting of the lip is even more evocative than the backwards hat in some ways. I mean, the way that you've painted a picture, I, I wish there was video. Um, yeah. I feel I, I know this person, you know? So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know someone who used to be one. I used to wear a You used to be that? Really? I mean, I was never a hey mama. There's no part of me that could, you know. Yeah. Did you say shoddy? No. No, but I was so close. Like, Did you? But I definitely wanted to. I was like, I really want to ask my girl out to prom. I and I, like, I learned how to dance. And when she would like. Saying my girl or even like, God forbid, my lady. Right. Never my lady. No. And never said my girl out loud, but definitely thought that way. You know what I mean? Like internally, I yeah. was like, why is she going to prom with that guy? Like, I'm just as good at sports as him. And, and I <laughs> I can dance. Like, I'm so good at dancing. Like, you know, it's just like, whatever, whatever. Maybe like, she knew that he was a really good leader. He wasn't. <laughs> I was a good leader. Wow. <laughs> I thought you were dropping balls. Oh, I was. Oh, I, my God. <laughs> Call back. Wow, I'm, like, really learning a lot about how I... Does that happen to you where you're, like, as you age, you're, like, your conception of your earlier self, like... Oh, oh and, then, yeah. and then as you talk, you're like, wait, it was... I don't know what I think of how I was like. It's hard to create a a succinct narrative. And like we we talk about how we both think of ourselves as like we were really good boys. And so now we kind of feel like we can be really bad and be like, well, everyone knows we're good boys. (laughs) And it's like, no, like it's kind of like you can slay and then you can stop slaying. But yeah, for how long until people just in terms of being a good boy? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. And the frame in the in a family framework, slaying means being a good boy. (laughs) But I also, I mean, I've talked about this before, but I, to me, the episode of 30 Rock where Liz realizes that she used to be a bully when mm-hmm. she thought that she used to be the victim. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes. yeah, That's like the first episode, right? It's, or, she like goes to her high school reunion. Oh, oh, oh. And, someone has told me. Yeah, and yeah. she thinks that all these popular girls bullied her. But in fact, what happened was that she was so afraid of being bullied that she would like preemptively be like, what's, what's the deal with your mom's pill addiction? Like, to the popular girl, whatever. That's, like, one of the lines, whatever. And I do, f- I, I mean, not to say that I was that bad, but I do think it was a form of, like, self-preservation where, like, because you don't want to be the butt of a joke, you then speak out of turn and, like, make fun of someone or, like, think you're punching up, but it's mm-hmm. like, well, that is still a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, Yeah. 
Um, but uh, no, to answer your question, we know exactly who we are, and we always know who we've been. And yeah, all narratives are linear and coherent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, homoeroticism. Yeah. I actually think we like randomly got deeper than normal. I I completely agree. I'm trying to think of like what is the straightest. Oh my God! Wait, we haven't even talked about this. What? Talk about women and homoeroticism. The epitome of straight homoeroticism is like the dorm poster of two girls making out. Do you know what I mean? Like I know exactly or like, the poster. Or you're like the about. beer ad where the twins, where it's like I love twins. Like that sort of Sabrina. You look. Well, yeah, I guess I'm. I just don't know this dorm poster. Oh, okay. Oh my god. So gosh. I think maybe you're like truly like a couple. It's of generational. Years younger, but like. <laughs> People listening know that there is a poster. It's a black and white photo of two oh, no. girl, two two girls, very sort of like conventionally attractive, thin girls in like underwear and like a tank with no bra. Exactly. And they are in about to kiss, or maybe in the process. I think they're making. I, out. I think they're they're actively making out. But it's like that is. It was in like half of all dorm rooms. For for like I think a decade. Yeah, and then of <laughs> course like to you know it was like that in the Pulp Fiction poster. Like oh that one is still around with the bananas. <laughs> or like oh, think sure. about oh, sure. oh shit. <laughs> or think about the Rolling Stone cover that was Blake Lively and Leighton Meester licking an ice cream cone. Does that mm. ring any bells? Um, not as many. But it, you can clearly imagine what I'm saying. Yeah. It's simply <laughs> just the two of them both licking the same ice cream cone. All I'm saying is like. Men fetishizing lesbianism is the ultimate sort of homoeroticism of straight. Of course. That's true. Homoeroticism for straight consumption? For straight consumption. And then for men, what would it be? It would be the Abercrombie guys yes, exactly. in 2003. Yeah. Abercrombie guys in 2003 and also soccer players after they win when they all yes. start just like literally fingering each other. <laughs> like, why do they do that? It's actually insane. Like, they need to stop. <laughs> Talk about queer baiting, I and mean, we're and we're pu- putting Harry Styles on the cross. Yeah, put the UK soccer team on blast. Like, what oh are they doing? Oh, <sighs> well, I think we should maybe do our final set. I agree. Any um, final thoughts on homoeroticism? No, just thanks, and I can't believe I missed such a huge topic. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm really <laughs> excited about the launch of the hat. Thank you. Yeah, I can't wait for that party. And we're we do operate an investment fund and we're looking for things to invest in and we especially love queer creators. I think and, legally I could not make this hot without you given yeah. that I will use patent magnet technology. <laughs> right, right, right. And that was our idea. Uh, yeah, yeah. From the lab. Yeah. Literally. Literally. Wow. Wow. Okay. Will you introduce our final segment? I would be honored and and overjoyed. Our final segment, Sabrina, is called Shoutouts and in this segment we pay homage to a classic straight art form called the radio shout out think trl think um a a radio morning show on z100 we are shouting out to something that is making us say okay sam do you have one um sure what's up everyone around the globe i love you i see you and i want to give a quick shout out to riding my bike I have not been riding my bike as much recently. I blame the pandemic and then I blame sort of leaving the house less generally. 
And today I uh, met a friend for lunch and I rode my bike, just a short little 15 minute bike ride. And I said, this puts me in an incredible mood. I feel my mind is cleared. I feel in touch with the city of New York. And I feel like, yeah, I'm still rough and tumble. I'm still a guy who rides a bike somewhere and, and, and maybe a car will pass me and I'll go, hey, hey stop it. And I, and I take up space in the road and I'm happy to do it. Um, I think that's why my ass looks the way it does because of all those biking Ooh. years. And I just want to say, I love you, bike riding. You make me feel whole. Woo! Wow. Wow. I think that's why my ass looks the way it looks. <laughs> What are the what are the hotter statements you've said on this podcast recently? <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes you gotta lean in. Or lean back. I'll say. Let's see. I'm trying to think of one. I know you gave me so much time and yet I still <laughs> am coming up blank. This is truly insane. This is the second time this has happened to me this week. Uh, you've got it. I know you've I got know. it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Um okay. Um what's up everybody out there? It's your boy George and Sorry for introducing myself as such. We all have flaws. <laughs> I want to give a shout out respectfully and honorably to my favorite breakfast of choice recently, which is a piece of toast, cottage cheese, pistachios, and then cracked black pepper. I'm telling you, combine this baby with a fresh pot of joe, and you are cooking. Wow. And I've already shouted out good culture cottage trees on this podcast, but at this point it was years ago. So for all our new listeners, go out there, get some good culture cottage trees, get some bread of your choosing, get some shelled pistachios. I know it seems so glamorous and so expensive, but you have to treat yourself to shelled pistachios. Put a couple of them on. I'm talking no more than five to six. And then if you don't mind getting messy, sprinkle some olive oil on it. And if you are sort of on the go, just the black pepper will do. <laughs> and then go about your day. I guarantee you, you will get that big client, you will land that big meeting, and you will get that job. Why? Because you had a good breakfast. Woo! I love that you're a breakfast freak. I'm not like a... I know that when we were together in L.A., famously, I kept having three eggs every morning. You were, like, so addicted to I breakfast. I know. <laughs> and I do love making breakfast into an event. But when I'm working, I love just, like, that sort of small—I mean, I'm talking one piece of toast. Like, just, like, th to have a, a tiny meal to just whet your appetite for lunch and know that in three short hours you'll eat again, there's nothing like it. Wow. Are you a breakfast person? I, I am a breakfast person in the sense that I love when I get... I think that in the morning I'm the most open-minded. Yes. And the foods that I... I, I, I do think eggs are gross. Wow. Yeah. But it, you don't like eggs? I mean, I eat them, but they feel very gross. Yeah. Oh, like But I eat them. And it's just like... I think the morning is a special time to eat. Like, I think... Yeah, it must be an enjoyable time to eat because I'm eating the foods I would never eat past totally. the hour of, like, toast, eggs, yeah, yogurt. They're all kind of like... I've Gross. been really, I've been struggling <laughs> really with yogurt like so food. much. Yeah. Like, I, w I just am never in the mood for yogurt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Honey, that makes one of us. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Sabrina, sorry. Whenever, Sabrina, you're whenever you're ready, feel free to go for it. Okay, I'm all right. <laughs> okay. Hey, Sabrina. Hi. Okay. I'm so. Oh my God. There's gonna be a soundtrack underneath this too, huh? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um. Uh, I have to shout out. I 
I love all of my followers equally, but there is one there is one fan in particular that I have to shout out. Mostly because actually two and a half years ago, he said to me, if you ever get on Radio Lab, there is this segment called shoutouts, and it would actually mean the world to me if you shouted me out. He is somebody that I that I auditioned for many avant-garde plays he directed in college, and oh yeah, gosh. he casted me into the ensemble. He's so hot, but sorry, fellas, he's taken, and he's so delightful, a huge fan of the pod. Um, Thomas Peterson, the shout-out goes to you. Woo! Oh, my God. Woo! Yeah. Oh, wow. wow, Thomas. Wow, unbelievable. That was incredible. That was amazing. Do you ever get, like, reminded that people actually listen to this podcast and go, whoa? Not if I can help it. <laughs> I'm like, how the hell did he hear about this? Um, wow. It's crazy. He got, like, all my, everyone that I did, like, plays with in college obsessed with this podcast no that's actually why i was like i need to prep for this because people are gonna listen and actually, to be honest it feels like i'm auditioning again for a play like i feel stressed well listening. let me tell you something sabrina you got the role you booked thank you thank you thank you um, for having me wow well, well, thanks I, so much for doing the pod i always love ending um on a sort of self-congratulatory note yeah good job george and good job to you <laughs> well thank good you everyone job. for listening especially and, and good Thomas. job sabrina and good job no, no, sabrina great, great job and to you. And honestly, great job, Thomas, because you know what Thomas is? First sheep. First sheep. Influencer sheep. Yes. Taste What's it called? Tastemaker sheep. sheep. That's it. Tastemaker sheep. Yeah, we have to go, but Tastemaker sheep is one of the most incredible <laughs> inventions. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the name of the hat company. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and my challenge to everyone is spend just spend some time thinking about the sheep framework because it's actually genius. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.